What up, what up, what up? Welcome back to Lockdown Universe, some of the bizarre, peculiar, and unheard of stories of UFO legend and paranormal lore. Welcome back, welcome back, happy to be back. Hopefully you guys are doing well and taking care of yourselves. As promised, we're going to talk about who is this individual who claims he worked on this very bizarre spire-like huge silver drone caught on film by multiple people back 2007 in California and in Nevada. And we're joined again with Sally Jack Skellington, we even have Zero over here. Yes, sir, he's making an appearance. And we've got some creepy lights back here and myself in a self-portrait. Okay, here we go. So, who is this Isaac? Isaac writes on his own website, <laughs> uh, here's a brief introduction. I'm using an alias Isaac. And I used I used to work in what's called the Carrot Program in the 80s. During my time there, I worked on a lot of technology that's obvi obviously and clearly at work in these recent drone and craft sightings. Most notably, the language and diagrams seen on the underside of the craft. Um, what follows is a lengthy letter of who I am and what I know. That's why I wanted to save it for this podcast because it's gonna it might be long, but it's gonna be packed with info. Okay, the appearance of these photos has convinced me to release at least some of the numerous photographs and photocopied documents I still possess some 20 years later that can explain a great deal about these sightings. On this site, you'll find some of these. They are provided in high-resolution scans, and I'm giving them away for free. Provided they are not modified in any way or kept, and are kept together with this written material. Okay. Um, he's also trying to get in touch with some of the witnesses who we already talked about in the last podcast, Chad, Raj, uh, Jenna, Ty, Stephen. Uh, so... Here's his experience. Uh, you can call me Isaac. It's an alias I've chosen uh, as a simple measure of protection. Uh, while I release what would be called a tremendously sensitive, tremendously sensitive information, even by today's standards, sensitive is not necessarily synonymous with dangerous, though, which is why my conscience is clear as I offer this material up to the public. My government has its reasons for its continual secrecy, and I sympathize with many of them. But the truth is that I'm getting old and I'm not interested in meeting my maker one day uh, with any more baggage than is necessary. And he puts an exclamation mark on it, so he's kind of joking there. Um, and he's, I'm sure he's serious too. Furthermore, I put a little more faith in humanity than my former bosses do, and I think that at least the release of some of this information could help a lot more than it could hurt in today's world. I should be clear before I begin. As a final note, I am not interested in making myself vulnerable to the consequences of betraying the trust of my supervisors. Uh, I will not divulge any personal information that could de determine my identity or theirs. It's not my intent to deceive, yada, yada, yada. Okay, so here we go, right? Let's get to the goodies. So for many years, I've occasionally considered uh, to release this information. Okay, so he's still, still just talking. Okay, let's get to the goods. All right. Here we go. So I have worked on many of the parts that are visible in the crafts that have been seen in these photos, as can be seen in the Q3-85 inventory. Um, so one question I can answer for sure is why they're suddenly here. These crafts have probably existed in their current form for decades, and I can say for sure that the technology behind them existed for decades before that. The language, in fact... I'll explain shortly why I keep putting that in quotes, was the subject of my work in years past. I'll cover that as well. 
The reason they're suddenly visible, however, is another matter entirely. These craft, assuming they're anything like the hardware I worked with in the 80s, uh, and they're probably better, in fact, are equipped with technology that enables invisibility. Interesting, right? Uh, that ability can be controlled on board the craft and remotely. However, what's important in this case is that the invisibility can also be disrupted with the technology, with other technology. Think of it like radar jamming. I would bet my life savings, since I know that this has happened before, that these craft are becoming visible and then returning invisib to invisibility arbitrarily, probably unintentionally, and undoubtedly only for short periods due to the activity of a kind of disrupting technology being set off elsewhere. So they could, you know, these bases that this craft was traveling around might have been testing tech and it might have just revealed its position, right? That makes sense. He says, I'm especially sure of this in the case of the big basin sightings where witnesses themselves reported the craft just appear and disappear. So that's an important part of the story. This is especially likely uh, because of the way the witnesses described one of the appearance, uh, appearances being only a momentary flicker, which is consistent with the unintentional intermittent triggering of such a device. This guy sounds like he knows what he's talking about. It's no surprise that these sightings are taking place in California, especially the Saratoga South Bay area. Not far from Saratoga in, is Mountain View, Sunnyvale, home to Moffett Field and the NASA Ames Research Center. Again, I'd be willing to bet just about anything that the device capable of hijacking the cloaking of these nearby craft was inadvertently triggered, probably during some kind of experiment at the exact moment they were being seen, miles away in Big Basin. The witnesses were in the right place at the right time and saw the results of the disruption with their own eyes. God knows what else was suddenly appearing in the skies at that moment, and who else may have seen it. I've had some direct contact with this device, or at least a device capable of the same thing. And this was kind of a mistake. It was not unprecedented. I'm personally aware of at least one other incident in which this type of technology was accidentally set off, resulting in the sudden visibility of normally invisible things. So the only difference is that these days cameras are a lot more common. So this is interesting, right? Like this is like right around the time that, you know, cell phones started getting cameras big time and people still had, you know, digital cameras that they carried around. Not so much these days because the cameras on the phones are getting so good and people just, you know, if they're going to take a picture or something, they're going to whip out their phone. They're not carrying around a big camera around their neck unless they're professional photographers or they have a hobby. Uh, it's just not just not that likely. So what is carrot? Well, it's spelled C-A-R-E-T, not C-R-C-A-R-R-O-T. So the C is Commercial Applications Research for Extraterrestrial Technology, carrot. And he has a report cover right here, which is pretty interesting. So I'll take, let's take a look at this. Take a look at this right here. Carrot, Q4-86. Uh, looks like December 1986, Palo Alto, California, Commercial Applications Research for Extraterrestrial Technology. Who else was doing that? Who else was doing that, my friends? You guys know. Let's all say it together. Yes, Lieutenant Colonel Philip Corso, who wrote the book Day After Roswell with my buddy Bill Burns, who created UFO Magazine and was the host of UFO Hunters.
So the technology, going back to his quote, itself, it isn't ours, or at least it wasn't in the 80s. Much of the te technology in the craft the, the, themselves, the device capa capable of remotely hijacking the vehicle's cloaking comes from a non-human source too. So like I said at the beginning, it's, it's one non-human source uncloaking another non-human source. Um, our having access to this kind of device, along with our occasionally haphazard experimentation, has led to everything from cloaking malfunctions like this to full-blown crashes using, like, radar, right? This is exactly what they talked about back in the, um, in the in 47 with Roswell. I can assure you that most, and in my opinion, all UFO incidents or crashes or, the, or that kind of thing had more to do with our meddling with extremely powerful technology at an inopportune time than it did with mechanical failure on the UFO craft part. Trust me, those things don't fail unless something even more powerful than them makes them fail, intentionally or not. Think of it like a stray bullet. You can be hit by one at any time, without warning. And even the shooter didn't even intend to hit you. I can assure you, heads are rolling over <laughs> with this as well. Right? He's saying people are getting, you know, getting fired or whatever the case is or worse. Uh, if anyone notices a brilliant but sloppy physicist patrolling the streets of Baghdad in the next couple of weeks, I'd be willing to guess how he got there. <laughs> Interesting. He's saying basically they're going to drop people off in Baghdad. Holy shit, that's tough. So Isaac goes on to discuss the time that he worked in Carrot, uh, which was a program that was in Palo Alto in the uh, Palo Alto Carrot Laboratory, P-A-C-L, on a secret reverse engineering project of alien technology. The website contains a series of alleged smuggled documents from Carrot, the Carrot program, um, including a five-page linguistics analysis primer that provides some details on the language symbols that were on the craft, and a 10-page uh, report as well as an inventory review that depicts some of the alien or reverse-engineered artifacts. So let's take a look at this. These are the photos that he has. So he's got... These photos, I, I don't know what the scale is of this, okay? So I apologize. I don't know if this is like a couple inches. Is this a couple feet? I don't know. It doesn't say. But if you look up here, boy, do these craft, or do these pieces of the craft look goddamn familiar, right? Sure do. And these are provided by Isaac. Let's see if there's any other photos there. So right here, you can see this. It's hard to read from where you're at, but I can read linguistic analysis primer. So they've got language here. And they've got like these lines going to different designs all throughout the page. So I'll do my best to describe, or not describe, to tell you what he tells us in this article. So going back up to where those pictures were. Um, okay, let's talk about, he says, enter the matrix. Interestingly enough, all of the sightings, reports, and the corresponding photos have collectively been known as drones alluding to them being an unmanned uh, craft in nature. Okay, fine and dandy. Uh, but let's take a look at what he says in Forensic Forensics 101. And I want to get more down to the, the photographs and images aspect here of what he talks about. Yeah, see, he doesn't, he doesn't give us the whole description of the language, I think that would be pretty hard to kind of break down in just a few pages. You'd have to really, you know, break it down, break it down. But 
what he's saying is, is that he was part of it. He has photos. He showed these photos. Um, he says the MOD, Ministry of Defense, is part of this. He says that um, that he wanted to release this information before he kicked the bucket. Um, let's see if there's any other additional info. The photographic, yeah, and this is tough too, right? He talks about photographic video evidence in the age of computers. With the sophistication of photo and video manipulation today, it's becoming increasingly difficult to discern what a real photo is from a, a video that's hoaxed. Given enough time and computing resources, a determined hoaxer could produce a quality fake that would fool most people. Um, since seeing is no longer believing in today's digital world, it becomes even more important to validate the identity of a photo or video witness. So validating those witnesses becomes extremely important, which is why he said at the beginning he wants to continue to talk with these individuals, Chad, Raj, uh, Ty, um, Stephen, and, and a few others. So together with all of their photos, this becomes a pretty credible uh, account, and it's been around for quite a while. Um, these designs and images are, are very interesting. One of the things that when we talk about the language or whatever the case might be on these um, on these craft is that some of them are replicated and some are not. These images these are these are more like waved lines, um, and they're not. Well, one of them is symmetrical; the rest are not. Um, what they mentioned in the Rendlesham Forest case on the UFO Hunter show I just watched was that. The, the images that were on that triangle craft in the forest that Jim Penniston looked at, many of those images that were there were angled lines. And not only that, but if you folded them over on top of each other, they replicated themselves. So each symbol, if you folded it over, it was, it was uh, an exact replica of itself. So it was uh, symmetrical. But these, these are more wave lines here. I'll let you take a look at it again here. These are more like, you know, you could fold this in half, but this one kind of looking like a D, no. These waved lines looking like the Sydney Opera House, no. Um, there's some stars here and what looks like an atomic structure down here. Um, so, again, this is a primer page, a page from the Linguistics Analysis Primer showing some details about the language symbols. But there's no breakdown of the information here. I wish I wish to God there was, but there's really not. So that makes it tough. Um I'll see if there's any other opportunities to locate any more information about the language, if they were able to decrypt it. I mean, that's the thing with decryption, you know, decrypting human to human language, that's a lot easier to do because humans have the same needs and the same environment and the same basic technology. But when you go when you're looking at decrypting another language from another planet or dimension, now you're talking about something totally, completely different. We're talking about concepts we don't even understand. How, how are you going to be able to be sure what you're decrypting is officially what it is? So that, that becomes pretty, pretty hard to do. Um, but I'm not a, I'm not a cryptologist. I can, I don't claim to know, you know, everything about that, but let's just see if Isaac's website is still up. Cause this is like way years later. I'm sure it doesn't even exist anymore. I mean, somebody'd have to be paying for it to be a be up still, but let's have some fun. Let's jump on and see. I clicked it. The internet's supposedly working. We'll see if it brings us there. Now, 
What questions do you have about this encounter? Could it have been a fake? Sure, if it was one person, absolutely, it could be a fake. Could it be... But there's not. There's there's too many witnesses, right? There's too many witnesses, too many people coming forward, too many different people posting on forums. Could it be the same person posting on different forums? Maybe, but what did they get out of it? It's not like they're getting financial gain off of it. You know, it's not like they made money back then off of, you know... Uh, you know, getting getting views, not off of a website. Um, you know, the individual website, if you were running a bunch of ads maybe, but, you know, this looks too legit to be real. And then we have a lot of people who, who came forth with their own stories, spoke in their own language, their own type of speaking. Um, and then you got this guy, Isaac, who's talking in very specific you know, scientific terms, I just don't see it. But anyway, this website is not popping up. I don't know if there's something going on with the internet. Let me see if I can just go on Google here for some reason, see if, yeah, that pops up immediately. So I don't know. I don't know what's going on with that IsaacCarrot.FortuneCity.com. This article was from 2007, 8. I mean, you know, you're talking, what, how many years ago? 17 years ago? 18 years ago, it's a long time ago, my friends. So, yeah. So, it probably doesn't exist anymore. Anyway, what do you think? What do you think about this story? You think it's legit? Let's look at these photos one more time. Check these bad boys out. I mean, these these are the more complex versions of the photos. Very strange indeed. Make sure I'm getting these. Yes, I'm getting these. Um, yeah, we'll zoom in a little bit. And we'll go up a little bit so you can see the other ones. Look at that bad boy right there. All right, let's zoom up a little bit more and see the more plain craft without it being attached to whatever it was attached to before. I mean, these this craft, it, it's, it's a one of a kind. We didn't really see this anywhere else. So whose is it? Is it reptilian? Is it the greys? Is it, uh, is it? ours is it some other species we don't even know about um why you know obviously it sounds like you know somebody interrupted its invisibility cloak what's it doing here it doesn't look like it's carrying people but it's hard to tell how big this thing is and if there were people being carried in at the middle the craft itself has spires going up almost like antenna to give you know to shoot information out or radio signals out or something so it uh, doesn't look like anything that would really be like a carrier craft. I'm sure there could fit people in there or beings in there. But, yeah, I, I mean, that's that's kind of where we're at. So we're going to keep keep digging and trying to find out some more info. So I hope you guys are having a great weekend, great night, great whatever it is, whatever time you're listening to this at. I hope you guys are taking care of yourself spiritually, physically, emotionally, following through on your hobbies and your goals and your dreams. And as always, continue to question the universe around you. Until next time, guys, take care. Lockdown Universe out.